The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. You're listening to The Big Red Bench podcast on this uh, Monday afternoon. Rory O'Hagan here and Colm O'Sullivan is here as well. Hiya Rory and we're actually back in the same room for the first time in about four or five months I'd say. This is weird. Now we are socially distanced obviously but like the fact that I have not been in work since... March 12th, nearly four months because of the coronavirus pandemic. I've been working from home since. So this is my first day back in the office. My first day seeing you in almost four months. It is indeed. And we're here. We're in the studio, as you say. We're, we're, we're a good two or three metres apart, at least, yeah. uh, across a big desk. And we're ready to talk sport again because things are back up and running now for a few weeks, Roar. And as the weeks go by, there's more and more stuff and there's more and more announcements. And um, the Premier League was back again this week. Yeah, it feels like everything is slowly getting back uh, to, to somewhat of a normality anyway. I suppose the Premier League was kind of the first major sport back out of the gate and that's been going back, uh, that's been on uh, the last couple of weeks. Um, something that hasn't really captured my imagination, I have to say. Like there wasn't much to, to play for with Liverpool winning the league title. They eventually did that, I suppose, um, last week or the week before, even despite the, the defeat to Manchester City. But overall, the Premier League, it's it's very weird without supporters in yeah. there. And um, I have found it difficult to watch entire games. And I have watched a couple um, but I have found it kind of hard to watch full games with the commentary without the co- or the, the crowd noise without the uh, or with the crowd noise. It's 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 been a bit odd. Um, it's like saturation coverage at the moment as well because they're literally showing nearly every game on live TV because obviously people can't go and watch mm. them so they, they need to broadcast them um, we never give out about having too much football <laughs> on TV but like it's literally you don't get too excited now because nearly any time you turn on oh yeah, of course there's, there's going to be a match on, on. Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised yeah. there's not a match on though this afternoon as we're recording <laughs> this but uh, I suppose I was watching bits of it over the weekend I did get to see John Egan score yesterday yeah, for Sheffield United uh, the Cork man getting his first Premier League goal he now has goals in all four divisions of uh, English football which is uh, an incredible record but a fantastic goal for him yesterday uh, finished it at the back post and uh, good to see the Cork man on the score sheet uh, and playing very very well in that Sheffield United team who were pushing for Europe they were pushing for Europe and they came back from the lockdown and they, they've had a bad run of results really since they came back, Roar, and they're kind of falling away um, in terms of they were up there with Wolves and Man United pushing towards the top four or five, mm. whereas now there's that bit of a gap down to them um, and Arsenal are a little bit behind. Uh, Wolves Wolves are there, thereabouts still, but United really are the one now who are pushing up with Leicester and Chelsea. They're only, I think, two points behind Chelsea and three points behind Leicester, Manchester United. So they're the ones fighting it out really for the, for that European spot now and Sheffield United unless they make a very very successful Mm. run in the last five or six games it looks like their chance could be gone even the point probably they would have hoped for more against Burnley yesterday Yeah there's seven points off Manchester United in fifth as you were mentioning so it looks like their goose is cooked as far as European football is concerned Manchester United's form has been red hot since they've returned their 16 games unbeaten now Uh, another good win for them uh, over the weekend and look very very good at Old Trafford on uh, Saturdays they beat Bournemouth by five goals to two Mason Greenwood um, certainly he's um, 18 as well like, yeah, he looks great doesn't he he scored 15 goals yeah. in his uh, debut Premier League campaign something else uh, Bruno Fernandes has absolutely transformed that team Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has them playing some decent football um, albeit the pressure off I suppose to a, a, a little bit and maybe um the fact that there's no fans there as well I think could be an issue I was watching Match of the Day too last night and I was wondering is that working in United's favour? Because there's less pressure yeah. from the Old Trafford crowd like any mistake isn't immediately 
um, like um, like called out from the crowd and there's not the pressure from the fans for for any any slight mistake. So they're playing with expression. They're playing with freedom. Um, it's it's actually a pleasure to watch them play. They're playing some very very nice football. They're scoring some fantastic goals. They got some lovely goals the other night or the other day against Bournemouth. Um, I mean Fernandez got the lovely free kick. Mason Greenwood's goal was great. And the football they were playing. Um, it was like Manchester United of old, I think, to a certain mm. extent. And you would kind of think they could really click ahead of next season. Now, if they get in one or two signings, there's a lot of talk about maybe Jack Grealish. There's talk about Sancho and one or two other guys. If they got if they got Grealish, Sancho, and maybe one other signing, you'd imagine what a squad they'd have next year mm. along with the likes of Fernandez, if Pogba clicks, uh, Mason Greenwood, Rashford, all these guys. They're a young squad as well. Um, they're hungry. Um, Solskjaer has them playing some very nice football and playing to their strength. Emmanuel Matic has signed a, a new three-year contract today as well. Or a two-year contract. Uh, so he's going to be at Old Trafford in mm. 2023. He's been playing very, very well, kind of anchoring that midfield uh, for the Red Devils. But yeah, look, there's talk of United being title challengers next season. That could be a little bit early. Are they still a bit behind Man City and Liverpool who will probably strengthen again as well, do you think? Possibly, yeah. I mean, like uh, Man City, you'd expect to come back at Liverpool next year. Liverpool... Um, gone off to, to Jurgen Klopp said something very interesting last yeah. week he says they're not going to defend their title they're going to attack the title Ooh, okay. next year which is very very interesting um, so that's like you'd expect it to be Liverpool Man City again and if United can get up there with Chelsea who are probably going to improve again over the summer and over well, the summer already this got, is over the summer they've got, they've got Werner coming in as well from, mm. from Germany and uh, they've signed one or two other guys as well uh, on top of what is already a young improving squad yeah exactly so it is going to be very interesting to see how it all pans out next season but that Manchester United team is uh, looking uh, very very nice indeed but just to go back to Johnny yeah. Egan yesterday um, his first Premier League goal just his second for the club and uh, he says he hasn't scored a goal like this since he was playing for Bishopstown. When I used to play Gaelic football, yeah, uh, probably the last time I hit one like that. Um, but no, listen, the, the skip has done well, you know, he's flicked the ball on and he's kept it alive. And, you know, I just timed the run nice and I suppose it was, a, it was a nice finish, yeah. Yeah, you can take the Corkman out of Cork, <laughs> but you, you can't take the Cork out of the Corkman, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I was watching him chatting last night on BBC as well in Match of the Day 2 and um, he, he's a real kind of down-to-earth Cork lad, is John Egan. And it was great for him to get a goal, you know, it was just brilliant. Mm. And, and even his reaction to the celebration, he was like, I finally got my, my Premier League goal and he was delighted with himself. And um, it was a nice goal into the back post as well. He just booted it into the back of the net and uh, great to see for him. So we're delighted for him. Yeah, no, great, very nice guy is John and uh, Greenwood legend like myself as well. So uh, <laughs> good to see him uh, do that. Similar standard as well, Roar. Um, Man City um, losing to Southampton. Yes, they might have been a bit of surprise after they yeah. put four goals past Liverpool, I think. What a goal in that game as well. Shea Adams, yeah, yeah brilliant. fantastic. What a goal. Uh, it was a bit of a surprise, um, but I think Man City are pretty much safe with second place, you'd imagine, at this stage. I don't think Leicester or Chelsea will catch them. I think I think there's something like eight points ahead of Leicester, mm. if I'm not mistaken. And um, I mean, that should be enough for them, you would think. But like they did hammer Liverpool the other night. But Liverpool were definitely <laughs> on the lash roar for most of the week, I reckon, celebrating. What? And uh, they, 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 they weren't quite recovered, I don't think, in time for that Man City game. It was a combination of a couple of things, you're right. Yeah. First off, was Liverpool uh, celebrating all week as yeah. you they, like, they deserve <laughs> to like you know they're league champs for the first time in 30 years. Klopp is the kind of manager who I think encourages that as well, especially when they're nothing to play for. Gone away, lads. Yeah. Grand. It's not like they're in contention for any other yeah. trophy this season. And um, Man City were annoyed at having to give them a guard of honour on their that's own. That's a pitch. big factor too. Yeah. I think that was a huge uh, factor, and they went out to show, look, actually, hang on a second, we're still fighting, we're still digging, we're we're still around we're still going to be here mm. next season kind of laying down a marker I suppose for the next campaign um, so yeah I thought that was very very interesting <laughs> Liverpool fans uh, 
not really caring, I suppose. Nobody, nobody seemed bothered by it in the slightest. They, they had the League One and it was done and dusted. And as I said to someone over the weekend, people will remember Liverpool winning the league. Nobody even this time next year is going to remember that Man City game probably, you know? Mm, yeah, exactly, yeah. So um, Liverpool uh, getting a win as well yesterday. Back to winning ways against uh, Aston Villa. 2-0 win at Anfield. The routine win really sadly on yeah. Manny and Curtis Jones with the goals. But, uh, Villa are in trouble though. They are and they don't look like they're in any way... Like, they don't look great in any way shape or form to be perfectly honest about it not in the slightest point still, behind Watford yeah. um, level with Bournemouth and 27 points you'd imagine Norwich City are gone at this point 6 points off or 7 points off I suppose safety with just 5 games left yeah Brighton play. had a good win over Norwich on Saturday which probably is enough now to make Brighton safe you'd think so you're looking at either West Ham Watford Aston Villa and Bournemouth to go down 2 of those uh, 4 to go down uh, along with Norwich City so you, yeah you'd imagine Brighton are, are safe enough on 36 points but again you'd never know mm. but you'd imagine that they are uh, but Aston Villa certainly struggling didn't look at the races at all yesterday not at all um, not at all they didn't look at the races they haven't done for many weeks now even even since prior to the lockdown Villa haven't been mm. at the races and they're in that position they had a chance yesterday to jump ahead of Watford because Watford lost to Chelsea on Saturday night and they didn't take it you might have thought they might have got something off Liverpool if Liverpool were clocked out for the season but clearly not um, and then the teams above them some of them mm. are picking up points like West Ham had a win over Chelsea last week they got a point off Newcastle again yesterday so Villa are in trouble there Bournemouth in big big trouble as well uh, you wouldn't have expected them to get anything at Old Trafford even though they had gone one up initially um, but I mean they're going to be disappointed with their recent form and Eddie Howe he's a bit of a Bournemouth legend and he's a stalwart there but you'd wonder then is he in a bit of trouble there as well you imagine so because their run of form has been pretty pretty poor um, in like uh, in recently basically I think was it 17 defeats in the last uh, 21 games or something like that um, so they are struggling massively at the end of the table um, Eddie Howe was touted as like the, the next big yeah. thing coaching talk, talk of England manager and everything a few years ago um, so it's um, yeah it's yeah exactly talk of being the England manager just shows you how quickly things can turn around unless uh, they get back to action uh, soon they are going to be in the championship next season um, I said Liverpool don't have anything to play for they kind of do they oh, yes. have Man City's uh, uh, target of 100 points in a season what are they 11 points off They're 11 yeah. points off at the moment so they need 12 to break City's record of 100 so they need to get 4 wins um, from their next 5 games um, it's possible it's unlikely but it's possible uh, Jurgen Klopp said afterwards he's just not commenting on it basically he says it's not worth commenting on No he's not too concerned about it it would be nice for Liverpool to get that I think but it's not I mean the league title is what they wanted the first league mm. title in 30 years it'd be lovely accolade on top of it a nice little boast to have but it's not the be all and end all 5 games left like he's he's playing guys and giving guys time mm. now just to just to get on the pitch who made up the squad during the season to make sure they get a medal and so on as well so if he's doing all that kind of thing you'd wonder will they actually get four four wins out of the five games when they're probably going to come up against teams who do have something to play for in terms of European spots and relegation and so on and the Liverpool players you know they're probably zoned out for the season at mm. this stage um, as the Man City game showed the other night but they are they are such a, a, a phenomenal side that you wouldn't put it past them at they the same time they do have a couple of tricky fixtures as well they have to go to Arsenal at home to Chelsea yeah. as well like you know so it's not all playing sailing in their last five games they've got Brighton away Burnley at home and Newcastle away as well so like there, there's no guarantees there and they are going to get the four wins that they need but it would be nice for them I think and so, like considering how dominant I guess that they have been this season to, to kind of surpass that Manchester City record um, I think Jurgen Klopp would certainly like that 
Absolutely, he'd love it. Um, but as I said, not the be all and end all, but it would be nice kind of mm. uh, icing on the cake for Jurgen Klopp, I think. Scottish Premiership uh, fixtures mm. have been announced. Um, Celtic are going to begin their campaign um, against Ham- Hamilton Academical. Um, I always think that's a great name for a club. <laughs> it certainly <laughs> is. That's the 2nd of August yeah. is how it's going to kick off. Celtic kicking off their quest for a 10 in a row. The day before Rangers um, will get their game, their first game underway. They go to Aberdeen on the Saturday. The first Old Firm derby scheduled for the 17th of October at Celtic Park. Of course, the Scottish Premiership campaign was uh, finished on a points per game basis. Uh, I know a lot of Rangers fans hanging out over Celtic fans. They so. are, you see, that's the thing. And I was I was listening to uh, to Jim White on TalkSport this morning on about this. And uh, they're, they're kind of saying, like, is it a real league title for Celtic? Now, Celtic fans will say, yes, it is. But is there always going to be that asterisk next to it? I don't think Celtic fans care. They don't be perfectly care, I don't think, no, Rangers fans do, though. And I think the fact <laughs> that it annoys their rivals so much, I think they'll thoroughly enjoy that as well. So, look... Um, yeah, um, so good to see Scottish football back. It's going to be behind closed doors, obviously. For the um, for the initial games, for the initial anyway, you'd games, imagine. Yeah. Anyway, it's subject to approval from the Scottish yeah. government as well. Um, so that shouldn't be an issue. Um, another thing we're looking forward to starting in the next couple of weeks is the, the League of Ireland season, but we still don't have any official fixture confirmation. We just know that there's a return date, but no official confirmation of fixtures yet. No, there's not. And it's again, there's a lot of things at play and it does seem to be the relegation promotion issue is the big factor as we were chatting about last week. Now, there have been up some updates during the week about that. Um, it went to a vote and Shamrock Rovers were the only um, Premier Division side not to vote in conjunction with the other clubs. All other nine clubs voted for one proposal. Shamrock Rovers went with the other proposal along with the first division clubs mm. and that was enough to get it over the line yeah, 10 million, um, yeah. which which is uh, which is uh, one team up and one team down kind of thing and um, the playoffs as well well so obviously the first division clubs wanted that but they did of course the argument but, the Premier but division why did Shamrock Rovers go that way is, is, is the question then because it doesn't directly impact them, you'd imagine, because, because that's probably why they yeah, voted for. It they're up the top of the table. Um, they're they're going to be in the top two or three, definitely. Whatever way things play out this season, with the start they had, um, so it's caused a lot of anger. And I heard uh, the Sligo chairman on about it, and lots of other clubs as well were speaking on it. Um, and they're not happy. And there's talk at clubs boycotting games and all this kind of things. Things are never easy with the FEI and the League of Ireland and Irish football roar. Um, but like it is penciled in to start on the 31st of July. I do think it will start on the the 31st mm. of July but I think there's going to be a bit of back and forth over the next couple of weeks of, of how the format is going to be as we said <laughs> the less relegation chances the better from a Cork City perspective I think this year but um, I mean that's just that's just another element of self-interest from clubs and every club is looking out for their own interests of course Yeah well obviously yeah but obviously with uh, the threat now of finishing ninth and having to go into a playoff with yeah. the, the team that emerges from that uh, mini but playoff That's the, first the current season, that, that, third, that fourth, is what, as it stands how it will be um, unless they, they change it again and Cork, certainly, Cork City are currently in that yeah. relegation playoff spot after their opening five games um, following like, their only points were that win against uh, Finn, Finn Harps, Harps that's right, it was in March which was yeah. a great game it's the only game I got seems to see like live so this year. Long ago, it seems it? like a different yeah. lifetime ago to be perfectly honest um, it seems that long ago of course Cork City have had a couple of those players move on mm. uh, from loan um, they're back on the 25th in the Munster Senior Cup out on the farm a lot's been interesting to see how many people can go into games um, that's another issue for another day I guess that's going to be um, quite contentious there's, 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 the, there's the talk of the 500 outdoor, outdoor gatherings and I know Mm. They're they're allowing that for for a lot of games. GA are, are assuming they're going to allow that as well at their games. Mm. Um, but you're wondering, will that go up? Will that go down? I mean, things are so variable at the moment, Roar, that you could see that drop down to 100, 200 people again, or equally, 
it could be increased to a thousand or something. So you yeah. really don't know. You don't know how yeah. it's going to go, I guess. And um, I suppose the Cork City AGM is coming up as well, where they're yeah. going to discuss the the sale of the club to, uh, to Trevor Hemmings, the Preston owner. Again, that's something that's been kind of put on hold. That is something that would have probably been discussed and voted on by yeah, now under normal circumstances. Uh, but Cove Ramblers are delighted with yeah. obviously the way it goes. There, Sherman Billardary. Um, I saw him speaking, saying that he was delighted. He he worked hard and argued hard in favour of of the playoff from the the first division. Well, like you can totally see the first division clubs' perspective. Well, there. big time, yeah. Because yeah. I mean, like uh, I've said it before, and uh, like the first division can be a bit of a graveyard, and it can be very hard to uh, muster enthusiasm. So if the team who's top of the table is well out and ahead, there's nothing left for the other teams to play for. Therefore, if there's a playoff, there's more to play for. There's the excitement. Can you imagine if Corvambers got into the playoffs, um, had a home draw for their playoff semi final? Um, it would be incredible because the atmosphere down in Cove and like we saw it like you see football in Cove it can be electric I remember yeah. the Dundalk game in the League Cup semi-final a couple of years ago yeah I was there Yeah, it was incredible the atmosphere the buzz the result beating Dundalk with that I was like Chris Hull's got the goal that's right um, absolutely fantastic so like there is that dormant kind of like latent support for Cove yeah. that just needs to be tapped into and I think if there was a playoff of Cove to get to that I think you'd see the crowds coming back to Cove because if they're allowed <laughs> well yeah that's the thing like yeah. you know but you've been in Cove games and there's been 100 people there and it's, it's just disheartening because the, the effort that mm. goes in off the field there um, by the committee and uh, and on the field by the players it deserves recognition I, I just wish more people would go to Cove Ramblers games because imagine Cove Ramblers in the Premier Division duking it out with Cork City it'd be fantastic It would be absolutely fantastic I think we had one season of that maybe it's probably nearly 10 years ago now where Cove were up and there was local derbies and Cork City fans would get the train down to Cove and Cove fans would do vice versa when they were mm. playing up here and you get big crowds at both games both in St. Coleman's Park and in Turner's Cross and a bit of local rivalry was fantastic and I think it'd be great for Cove to play the likes of Cork City regularly to have Shamrock Rovers coming down there Dundalk and then you'd see people coming out supporting the, the local team and uh, you never know if they put a good squad together they could maybe stay in the Premier Division for a couple really of years look, Yeah, I'm just really looking forward to getting back yeah. to watching games at uh, Turner's Cross and uh, St. Coleman's Park as I said at the start of this podcast watching games on TV the Premier League with no crowds isn't really working 100% for me that way yeah. just can't wait to watch football in the flesh it, it's going to be weird I suppose with all the regulations that are in place but can't wait to see a live game basically. it'll be great just to be there anyway and, and whatever way it's done it'll mm. just be great to have it back up and running right, just before we wrap up I suppose um, the big news over the weekend from a GA perspective yeah. was um, the that the GA were going to, to punish teams who were inter-county training before September 14th um, this is supposed to be a club window only as clubs get ready to return to the championship and there have been reports of um, cl- our, our counties training uh, breaking that protocol they're not supposed to train until um September 14th yep. um, the GA president John Horan had said that there wouldn't be any sh- sanctions um, for clubs or for county sides excuse me uh, who do jump the gun but it's changed now and that um, county boards are, are going to be held liable if um, cl- our counties are, are training uh, in this club window which I think is welcome I think all the clubs uh, they, they wanted this window just for club only activity so to get clear guidance I suppose from the GA uh from the very top is welcomed and I suppose it removes any I suppose um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for doubt I suppose as to, to if you can train or not Absolutely it does um, I think a lot of counties were kind of doing little bits already but mm. it's very very early because they're not going to be playing for months or as county teams um, so I mean in terms of fitness and so on the players training with their clubs should cover that aspect of it mm. Um 
so like it's 11 weeks before they're supposed to start training on September 14th then they'll have their pre-season mm. so they'd have another 11 weeks on top of their pre-season which adds up to something like 16 or 17 weeks of a pre-season before they actually go out and play championship matches I mean professional teams don't have a 16 or 17 week pre-season in the Premier League um, across the water I mean it just seems excessive so I think it was good for the GAA to, to say this and to confirm this because it gives the clubs full access to the players now it avoids any battles and any wranglings over mm. players um, when, when, it's, when it's, it's not needed for them to be training with the county just yet I don't think Yeah and I suppose the GAA made it clear as well that um, county sides train before September 14th wouldn't be covered by insurance yeah. which I think was uh, the main thing there's threats of disqualification as well as the GA kind of hardened their, their, their stance I guess um, but there, was, there was a lot of talk that um, over the weekend that this is going to work different in different counties where uh, depending on how powerful the manager is of the of the county team and how his relationships are with the clubs and so on mm. so I think in some counties um, there might be a little bit of uh, behind behind the scenes training going on regardless but I think most counties now that the rules are in place and set mm. in stone by Croke Park and GA officials you'd imagine they'll abide by it for the time being Yeah exactly I mean like uh, as you spoke to, to Joey Blake in this podcast mm. last week it wasn't so long ago that John Horn was saying there'd be no GA in yeah. 2020 as it is uh, so to be back and getting ready for, for a club championship first off and then the Intercounty Championship and uh, a winter Intercounty Championship and finishing up Christmas, Christmas All-Ireland Finals so it's going to be different but it'll be great yeah yeah but I suppose the GA had to come out and say look no training until uh, September 14th and look um, there's threats of disqualification hanging over counties as well so you'd wonder would they follow through on that though that's the thing yeah you'd wonder. You know. right, that's pretty much our podcast uh, for today the Big Red Bench will be resuming on air very very shortly in the next couple of weeks or we're uh, Looking forward to that. Looking forward to that very much. We'll have plenty to chat about by the end of the month, I think, as well. Yeah, we certainly will. So keep an eye out for that on our uh, Twitter at Big Red Bench. But I suppose uh, for now, for me, Rory Hagen. And for me, Colm O'Sullivan. That's it. Good, Good luck. See Bye-bye. ya. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m.